Uh, good morning, church. I know it's a little rainy, but let's try that again. Energy is a little low in here. Uh, good morning. Um, before I get into the sermon, just a few announcements. Um, did want to share that um, our dear beloved sister, Sergi, um, she's been fighting pancreatic cancer the last nine to ten months. Uh, she passed away this Thursday morning. Um, and we want to just lift up Charles, uh, Nate, and Abby. This is her picture right before she started chemo. And, you know, I wanted to just say a few brief words. I mean, Sergey was just filled with life and joy. Um, she started our Irvine campus, uh, you know, with their family from the beginning. They led community groups. She was a part of the worship team and the welcoming team. She welcomed people so well that people thought she was my wife. I mean, that's, that's the kind of person she was. Um, and, um, you know, she now is free from suffering and she's with the Lord. But if you could lift up uh, their family as they go through this time of transition and mourning. And then last night, I, I got another call. Um, so my uh, brother-in-law, Alvin, and, um, you know, my sister-in-law, or my wife, Verona's sister, uh, Myra. So Alvin uh, has a niece. Uh, she's about 20-something, and uh, she was fighting cancer as well. And last night, she went into emergency surgery, and she passed. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just sobering. You know, we say this a lot at church, you know, your life, you know, you could like walk down the street, get hit by a car, and you're gone. But, you know, we want to celebrate their life, that uh, now their suffering is over. But if you, as a church, if you would just remember their families in your prayers as they go through this difficult time, uh, that'd be greatly appreciated because, you know, we love them so dearly. Uh, there's no real easy transition to the sermon from that, but we're just going to jump in. Uh, today we are in Genesis 32, and we are at the most pivotal point in Jacob's life. He wrestles with God, and God changes his name. And so I want us to just kind of jump into the first point. We find Jacob broken, and alone. I'm going to read verse 22. He says this, The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. What's interesting about this is that in Genesis 32, we actually find Jacob, outwardly at least speaking, a very blessed man. If you read in verse 22, it tells us that he had two wives. If you've been tracking with us, you remember, Jacob was a man that he stole the birthright from his brother, right? Right? And then he leaves because Esau wants to kill him, and he meets his uncle Laban, who has two daughters. 
So he works seven years to try to marry Rachel, but he gets tricked by Laban, and now he has to marry Leah. You remember that? Right? And then it's like, oh, you think you got me? Hey, I'll work another seven years, and I'm going to marry Rachel. And he does. So here we find him with two wives. He has also two female servants that he's actually had some children with as well. And so now he has 11 children. He has a lot of possessions, a lot of livestock that he got from Laban because he kind of tricked them as well. And so we find him outwardly actually looking like a blessed man. He has all sorts of stuff going on and he's coming back home. What I want you to realize, do you remember Psalm 23 verse 1? It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And do you remember how that second part goes? He says what? I shall not want. Do you remember that? Well, Jacob is the complete opposite. He wants everything. Even at birth, he's holding on to the heel of Esau. So they name him Jacob, which means what? Supplanter or heel. Because he doesn't want to be second. And then so he steals the blessing because he wants the blessing. And then he wants wives, and so he goes and he works hard. And he, we find this man, a man that would want a lot and is willing to do whatever he can to get it. Jacob is a stubborn, self-reliant man filled with deceitfulness and trickery. And this is the worst part. It all works out. That is the worst thing that can happen to us, my brothers and sisters. Even after living this self-reliant, apart from God, filled with deceitfulness and trickery, this I can do it on my own, I'm just going to work hard, it's going to all work out. Even with this sort of lifestyle, he ends up looking like everything's fine. And it all looks good. And I bet you he's probably thinking like, you know that blessing I stole from Esau? That was good, because look at my life. And this is confusing, isn't it? Like, this is not how it should work out. If you follow God, like, things should work out for you. This is a confusing part about life. So confusing that even the psalmist in Psalm 73, I want you to hear what he says because he's very confused. He says this, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. What he's doing there is he's stating a theological truth. He's saying God is good to his people, to those who are pure in heart. But in verse 2, he says, But as for me... My feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Why? Because he's confused. He says, For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Do you hear that? He's saying, Hey, life's not making sense here. Why are the wicked people that are not your people, why are they prosperous? And then he calls them fat. He says, Look at them. They're fat. Their life is good. They look all, like, they eat well. This is not how it should work out. 
the righteous should be the prosperous. Those that follow you, God, we should be the ones that live long lives. How come? And even the psalmist here is sharing a very poignant, very raw struggle. He's saying, I, I almost stumble. Like, I, 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 this is a struggle for me. My brothers and sisters, um, if we're not careful, it can make us think that living our lives in sin apart from God on our own strength and on our own accord, that it's okay and it's fine because it works out. Like the results are fine. Like I'm smart enough. I could just kind of make my way, be smooth, be cunning, and make it so that life looks okay like I want. And it blinds you to the spiritual truth that we are all broken and in need of God daily. My friends, if we're not careful, we can look at our lives and you can start to think blindly like, hey, I did this. This promotion, I did it. This house, this life, and we can all of a sudden think to ourselves blindly that, hey, I'm pretty good at this thing. Why do I need to pray? It's all working out. Jesus talking about the church in Laodicea in Revelation 3.17. Look at what it says. He says, for you say, I am rich. I have prospered. And I need nothing. Look, that was Jacob. And maybe some of us in this room. I know I've struggled with it in my life as well. And then look at what Jesus says. He says, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Once again, if we're not careful, we can believe that it is better to live our lives doing it our own way. And then our heroes become those in the world, not those that are following hard after God. But here's the thing. Living like this, in sin apart from God, it will always catch up to us. You know why? Because inevitably, like Jacob here, we all face situations in life where we cannot do it on our own. Where you realize that without God, I cannot do it. There is nothing in this situation that I can do. And here, Jacob sends everyone away, and he's alone. Why? Because he faces this situation. And maybe for the first time, he realizes, oh my gosh. There's nothing I could do. Because, if you remember Pastor Steve's sermon from last week, he's coming back home and he hears that Esau is mad and he's coming with 400 men to come, probably to kill him. And so the word of God tells us that he's greatly afraid. 
So in his desperation, alone and broken, we see that he goes to God. You know, there's a beauty in brokenness when it leads us to God. But check this out. Even in his prayer wrestling with God, do you see his stubbornness? It's not like this, like, oh, God, please, just, you know, I need your help. It's like, oh, I'm going to wrestle you. You better bless me, man. Like, until the dawn, hey, you're going to bless me. Do you see it? And God is going to bless him, but not in the way Jacob wanted. So we go to point two. The true blessing of life. We see the redemption of Jacob. God redeems him. In verse 27, it says this. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Now, uh, I just want to say this passage is a little bit tricky. Because in the Hebrew, it's kind of difficult to figure out whom Jacob is actually wrestling. I gave you a little little slide so you can kind of follow along. Because when it first says that the man that comes to wrestle is this man, it's actually the Hebrew word for human. Okay? So, all right, so he's going to wrestle a man. It's a human. And then later on, it tells us, God says that Jacob wrestled with God, and that Hebrew word there is Elohim. That he wrestled with Elohim and with Men and have prevailed. And so you're already like, what the? What's going on? What did he wrestle? Man, Elohim, or men, plural? And then at the very end, it says Jacob was like, saw God face to face. Should have died. But he delivered him. This is why, actually, there are some people that believe that it was an angel that he was wrestling that it was a different divine being. But contextually, just, you know, so make it real easy for you, it's God, okay? Because there is no one else that could change the identity of a person, forgive their sin, and to be able to bless someone unless they were God. So some people believe he was the pre-incarnate Christ, but we do know that God comes to meet and wrestles with Jacob until the dawn is about to break, Right? And the question becomes, why did he wrestle with Jacob so long? Because in the passage, he just touches his hip, and his hip gets dislocated. Now, I don't know much about wrestling, but if you dislocate enough things, match is done. But why does he wrestle with Jacob until the dawn? What do you think? Okay, we don't have time, so we'll just, I was going to have you share, but it's okay. It's because God wanted to enter into a relationship with Jacob. So he allows this wrestling match, knowing Jacob's weaknesses and personality. He could have 
I mean, killed him in an instant. But he allows him to get out his aggression, his frustration, and God is just patient with him until Jacob is forced to surrender and admit his utter need for God, to let go of his self-reliance, deceit, and trickery. Many believe that when Jacob asked them, please tell me your name, that that is when the moment of redemption occurred. Because maybe for the first time in his life, he took his eyes off of himself and looked to his maker and savior, whom he needed all along. God wanted to transform him, and he's so patient with him. And at that moment, he changes his name from Jacob, which means supplanter and heel. It was known as liar and deceiver. And all of a sudden, he changes his name to a name that means prince of God, Israel. What is the significance of a new name, you ask? It's a new identity. God does this many times throughout Scripture. Jesus does it for every new believer. If you look at Isaiah 56, 5, it says this, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Right? That new name represents our new identity in Christ. We are a new creation, as 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us. Because if anyone is in Christ, the old has passed away. And we see that here. That Jacob, who's a new creation, gets a new identity. A new name filled with God's blessings with the divine purpose to establish the Israelite nation. You know what the coolest thing about this is? Is that throughout scripture... Did you know that God is called the God of Jacob multiple times? Isn't that crazy? In Exodus 3, it says that he's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It doesn't say the God of Israel. It says the God of Jacob. He wanted to be known as the God who can redeem, the guy who is the liar, the deceiver, the one that is fighting and running away from him. God redeems. God is the God of those that fall short of his glory, like you and I. And he blesses him. And he leaves him a cripple. (laughs) Okay, I want you to think about this, okay? That's a weird blessing. I will bless you. May you walk with a limp all the days of your life. But he does. If you look at Hebrews 11.21, it actually says this. That by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Meaning that for the rest of his days, for 150 years or so, he was still walking with a limp. Think about that. Jacob's like, bless me, bless me, God, you better. And he's like, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you right now. And 
I want you to realize something. I bet you when Jacob was asking for the blessing, he didn't even know what he was talking about. What he probably wanted was what? Protection from Esau. He was moving back to his hometown, so maybe like a new land, new livestock, protection over his children. That's probably what he meant by blessing. And God is like, I'm going to bless you, but not by your definition. I'm going to bless you the way I want to bless you. And my blessing is a new identity with a new land. A new name. I don't like this. I'm just going to tell you right now. Because no one wants to go through life with a disability or an ailment. But God does it for a reason to Jacob. It's probably because God knows that Jacob especially, an independent man, self-reliant, he needed that daily reminder that you need to depend on him for strength. This is what theologians call a spiritual link. Like God gives us something in our life that constantly reminds us that we need him. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm a pastor, okay, but I'm just going to say this right now. Don't like it. Don't want a spiritual link. You know what I want? I don't want my kids to get sick. I want my parents to live a long life. These are the things that I sometimes define a blessed life. And we have to be careful because, you know, we'll be like, oh, man, this steak is so delicious. Hashtag blessed life. Right? Like, oh, my gosh, look at this. You know, I'm in, I don't know, Ontario. Okay, maybe not Ontario. Hawaii. And you're like, oh, hashtag blessed life. And we have to be careful because sometimes... If we are not with biblical lenses, we can start to think that our life should look a certain way and that's to define blessed life. And God's like, no. The blessed life is salvation in any circumstance that draws you closer to me. Look at what Matthew 5 says. It's one of my favorite passages, but it's just so challenging and humbling, right? He says, you know what the blessed life is? Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. To be broken, to have weaknesses, which leads you to Christ, that is a blessing. For Jacob, that's the one thing he did well. Finally, he went to Christ. See, circumstances might get rough, 
but draws you near to Jesus every day, that is a blessing. So, you know, on Thursday, so, um, you know, Sergei passed away uh, in the morning. And so, you know, our pastoral staff, we got to go and visit and see her and the family. And, you know, when you walk into a house of mourning, um, it's very sobering. It teaches you and reminds you of so many things. And, yeah, I won't talk about too much. You know, Charles and Nate are here, so I'm glad to see them. But. You know, when you walk into those contexts, you know what you are not celebrating? How big the house is. You know what you're not celebrating? The amount of money this person used to make. All the promotion that he or she got. All the 401k. You're not talking about those things. You know what you're talking about? Their faith in Christ, their love for God and for people. You start talking about the legacy of faith that they're leaving for their children. You start thinking and talking about the things that really truly matter in life, the real blessings. And God comes to Jacob in all his brokenness and he's like, Look, this might be difficult but I want to save you and I want to continually draw you closer to me. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't know if you feel broken today. I don't know if you're struggling with weaknesses. But I know I do. And I want to be okay with my spiritual limp. It's hard. But I want to be a pastor that's okay with the fact that I have weaknesses and that I need to go to Christ every day. And we need to be a church that's not filled with people that have it together, but to be people that recognize that we are weak in need of a Savior. Amen? And we find Jacob that maybe outwardly looked okay but was broken. And I wonder if throughout the churches in Southern California, if we have people that think they have it together, and yet they are far from our God. We have to ask ourselves, what is that blessing that you pursue? What is that blessed life that you long for so dearly? Because the truly blessed life is found in Christ and Him. Let's pray together. God, um, this life is so weird sometimes it's just so weird that we know that we are weak 
We know that we can't do it on our own. And yet, so many times, so many moments in life, we live completely the opposite. And you're patiently always there, allowing us to even come and wrestle with you. You not only save us, but you say you're the God of Jacob. You're the God of people like us. So as we come together, we're just just humbled. Teach us. We want to open up our lives and our hearts and allow you to work, not just in the good moments, but even in those moments that maybe we don't like the weaknesses those things that we consider disabilities God may we use those as a blessing to glow closer to you God these are not easy things that we're asking so we need your help Holy Spirit we come and help us to pursue the biblical meaning of that blessed life. Ultimately, we thank you for your love, your patience, your mercy and grace, God, that overflows to us each and every day. And oh, how we need it. We thank you, Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen.